Hello, and welcome to the Scuttlebutt Podcast. Our guest today is Keith Dow and Tyler Carroll of Dead Reckoning Collective. Dead Reckoning Collective is a veterans publishing company that exclusively publishes veteran works. Uh, welcome to the show today, guys. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us on. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. We've uh, been on like this writing kick recently, getting a, several weeks in a row here of like uh, different veteran writers. So it'll be good to get to the source and talk to you guys. Um, do you want to give us a couple minute spiel of uh, your backstory and what led you here? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm Keith Dow, uh, co-founder of Dead Reckoning Collective. Um, I did five years uh, active duty in the army. Um, that was when Tyler and I met. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later, but um, did five years uh, as an MP. Uh, hated the majority of uh, that job, um, but uh, you know, thankful for it. Cause it showed me a lot of like what I did not want to do for the rest of my life. Um, got out in 2013, uh, and jumped right into school pretty much, uh, worked some odd jobs, um, construction stuff and landscaping and stuff like that. Um, and then jumped right into school with the GI bill, uh, did a bachelor of human services. Um, and then, uh, from there, um, wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. Um, started working at a hospital and kind of got exposed to the clinical environment um, while I was working uh, security there because uh, we worked a lot like on the mental health floor and stuff. Um, and so from there, I ended up um, also using VA benefits to uh, do a master of social work, which is, is what I'm doing now. Um, so I also, when I'm not doing dead reckoning, I also work with Hunter seven foundation, uh, working with veterans, uh, suffering from toxic exposure related illnesses and stuff like that. Um, so we stay, we stay real busy. Um, Tyler also has, wears like seven different hats. Um, and, uh, but, but dead reckoning is for sure the, the passion project. Um, then I'll, I'll let him talk a little bit about himself, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Dead Reckoning takes up a lot of our time and, and, and a lot of our, like, our, our passion goes into it. Because um, Tyler and I, when we first met, didn't even actually realize what, uh, what we had in common um, or how much we had in common. So, yeah. It's got a weird way of sneaking up on you and you, like, the more time you spend with each other, you're just like, oh, you also think that way? Or, like, it, yeah. it kind of it builds over time. Yeah, uh, sure. One thing I'm realizing is I think we might be talking to the army version of us, Brock. Like (laughs) Keith, Keith has a beard. Tyler has a mustache. You have a beard. I have a mustache. Like this is the army version of us. It's literally is the. That's what I'm saying. Like beards and (laughs) mustaches. Yep, exactly. Dude, Mason, one of our uh, our our newest authors, uh, posted this picture the other day. I don't know if anybody saw it, but it was I I can't remember what it was. It was these two like redneck guys because of the facial hair and like you know composition like body composition he he posted it and said like this looks like the wish app version of uh of tyler and keith yeah it was, uh, <laughs> it's that guy the you betcha guy who always uh does these like little skits on facebook or whatever oh but, yeah, yeah yeah i was dying and the wish app version that's like a common joke now and that's like it, it yeah. just is such an, a harsh dig oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, you know, we, we get a lot of clever ones uh, aimed at us now and giving us a hard time, but it's all good. Yeah, I'm all right with Keith being my partner. <laughs> I'll still fight, still fight everybody. Yeah. But, well, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll talk a little bit about myself and then I guess yeah. 
get into what what started Dead Reckoning and uh, Keith and I's relationship. Um, kind of going back just a little bit, like even though we're a publishing company uh, that exclusively publishes veterans and stuff, I think our whole idea and what spawned Dead Reckoning was we wanted to kind of reach across the table, kind of bridge the gap to the civilian side of things. Mm-hmm. Most of our friends are veterans and stuff, but with Keith working in the hospital once he got out, I had an easy transition going into the fire service with over a hundred something employees, only like five of us are veterans. And that's where you would think that like a concentration of veterans would be. And it's, it's a little different with first responders that they, there's similarities and everything, but going into that, I thought it would be almost like exactly the same. And it wasn't. And so we're like, all right, well, how do you link people together? And it's always through stories. Uh, and that's where you kind of find the common ground. And so I saw it pretty early on within, like I said, an area that uh, you would think would be heavily veteran dominated and a seamless transition. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm seeing this, that means everybody else is probably seeing it more like in an amplified way. Uh, And so uh, when Keith put out the post to like start what Dead Reckoning was, it was just initially a blog site to kind of highlight veteran transition stories, kind of what you guys are doing in a way. And so we're like, well, what does that mean to transition? And we're like, being a good father, being a good husband, uh, just giving it your all, whatever aspect that you're doing, whether that's going back to school, whether that's starting a business, uh, do you need to go into the athletic sector or first responder sector where most people seem to just naturally like gravitate towards, or is it anything and everything? And so we were trying to show this diversity because that's what the military offers, you know? And I think Keith and I both always look at our own lives and what brought us to, to the military. And like, I grew up in the military family, hating the military, yet still was destined to join the military where Keith was like, I, I, from what I'm, if I may be speaking for him, but like, it wasn't even an idea until like months before doing it in a way. And it's because he saw other people doing what he, he thought he should be doing kind of thing. And so whatever yeah. reasons you join, they're your reasons. And somebody is going to be able to relate to that, whether they're a veteran or not, because you feel drawn towards a, a calling, whether that's actual service or uh, whatever career you end up getting into. And so um, when Keith and I met in Italy, we just were friends. That was all it was. His, he was an MP. I had a buddy that was a medic that had a wife that was an MP. And we just happened to like meet and didn't like immediately click it off, but we liked each other. Everybody likes Keith and I liked him, but that was like kind of all it was. And then he left soon after we met. Um, and then, like I said, it was through social media that, that kind of brought us back together. And I yeah, we to- met, I think right before uh, you guys deployed. Yeah. Um, and then, and then when you, um, when you got hurt and came back early, um, we, we linked up that like literally one night. I don't think we hung out after that. No, not, not, not just us two. It was like in group settings and like only a couple times. And yeah. uh, when I came back, all my friends were still deployed. And so I didn't have that many other people to kind of rely on. But I, since I had met Keith and he was still there as uh, the MP, that's what kind of like got us back together. Yeah. And then um, after I got out, I was dealing with why, how I got hurt and my uh, time in Afghanistan and all that. And I, I wasn't writing a whole bunch, but I would write occasionally. And then while I was hurt, I was reading a ton and I was working out a ton and like what better way to, get you mentally and physically like healed is read right mentally and then work out physically so i was like all in the self-improvement mindset and 
really processing things, but I felt like I was doing it all alone. And when Keith kind of made the like little uh, probe out there, like, Hey, does anybody want to start up a blog? I was like, well, Hey, I've written this. Would you be interested in this being on that blog? And he's like, absolutely. Let's start there. And it kind of went a little mini viral. It was about coming back from the battlefield before you uh, felt like you were ready, whether that was being hurt or you spent your whole time there and still you came back before the war had ended uh, and the mission wasn't accomplished essentially. And so, and how friends kind of make uh, inside jokes that you're no longer a part of. So you kind of feel an outsider within being part of the community that you thought you were in. And there's a lot of stuff, you know? And so it, it hit really, really well. And then it kind of just kept forming where we were just talking to people like you guys. And uh, we realized that writing and reading is like this like underground like punk movement and essentially like like it's not cool to do that but it is actually and a lot of people are doing it but kind of in secrecy and so we're like well let's kind of like give this more of a voice let's give this more of a platform and so uh we we found out that people were writing poetry and i've written poetry since before i joined the military and keith had been writing since he was like a kid and i was like well let's just put this together and this be our first publication and again, that hit somehow. And it just, we had a kind of a feel of the pulse of the community uh, without really realizing it and this demand of reading and writing and kind of self-exploration and what better way than to understand your own story. And that's one of the big things that Keith always talks about is like, are you just like living your life essentially? Are you writing your life or are you actually like the author? Are you taking control? And when you become an author, when you become a writer, you have to analyze everything. And get the best understanding you can as objectively as possible. And that's stepping outside of yourself and your experience and making assessments of why you're in the, well, my, why you are where you are. What did you contribute to that? Who in your life has kind of informed those decisions or influenced them and all that stuff. And so there's just so much that goes into reading and writing and understanding through other people's experiences and then getting a fully articulated version of your own experience. And so, yeah. That, that was like the influence and like the and like that's all like just now coming to the like realization after we've been doing this for years and years because i think we were just kind of reactive essentially like hey let's just do this hey let's just do this and like looking back we're always like man like it's just crazy how everything has just kind of continued aligned but uh yeah once i got out i joined the fire service and wanted to share those stories i want to share the military stories and um wanted to talk about being a father and a husband because I think most men can relate to that as well. And so that, that's kind of where I'm right, right now. I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a business owner, a, a firefighter paramedic. Like it's, it all encapsulates and uh, I'm able to kind of share all of that. And at the same time, I'm pursuing my MFA and I just started my final semester and the MFA is in writing. So we'll see how all of it goes. That's really cool um, to hear kind of how that, this whole thing came to fruition and, um, I don't, it's interesting looking back in hindsight how it just seems kind of random as you're putting things together but then when you look back or like at the time it feels like that but when you look back you're like oh like that was that was the next step and it all just kind of seems like it falls into place and uh, kind of naturally comes together to like the the next thing couldn't have happened without the thing prior and whatnot uh well, we, when you guys 
we always talk about like, uh, you know, one of the things there, there's a couple things that we were really passionate about and really like really into, uh, you know, pushing on everybody else and in, like in urging other people to, uh, to explore themselves. But, but one of those things is for sure, like finding creative people and like surrounding yourself with creative people regularly. And that's one of the things that Tyler and I have going on is that we have a, a really great creative relationship. Um, and, and we we're we're not so naive that like, we don't realize that like, that is for sure, like what keeps driving all these projects and stuff. We have, we have too many ideas, um, like without enough time to, to complete all of them. Yeah. Um, like we'll, we'll never run out. Like, I don't know. I was just saying, I've been saying it the last like week, uh, in a couple conversations, but like, I don't understand like when people get bored. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time to get bored. And I don't like, I don't, I, I have this ever never ending list of, of ideas, um, and projects that like Tyler and I, um, constantly want to, want to do, we have projects that we want to do on our own, but like even the projects that we have, uh, you know, on our, on our to-do list on our, that we want to do solo, um, you know, or that we want to be our own project. Uh, we constantly like tap each other for input and advice and, and critique and stuff like that. So the, that whole, like, you know, surrounding yourself or finding like a, a guild type thing, like it's crucial um, in creativity. And, uh, and that's, that's one of the things, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about like the development and education stuff that we're doing as well. But um, that's one of the things that we're pretty passionate about as a company is, is finding, finding some peers um, or even people who aren't like you. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I think that that was what has made Dedicated <clears throat> attractive to others is the collective mindset, that community. And when you are creative or artistic in any way, like all you want is, in a, in a sense, is some type of validation for your works and your projects and your ideas and everything. But you also need the inspiration to finish them because they're not anything until they're done. And the only people that really can understand the necessity for encouragement are other people who are in that space. And so like, what do you do when you want to surround yourself with like-minded people that want to go defend our country? Will you join the military? What do you want to, who, who do you surround yourself with when you want to create insane ideas, you, creative people, you know? And so uh, we just were able to kind of combine those ideas and fortunately help create and be a part of this community that has uh, been just evolving nonstop. And, it's, it's incredible to know that like we are part of it, but also help influence it. It's something we're very, very aware of. And also we both, like he kind of said, we're not naive to, to know that like we're extremely lucky to have each other because most people are doing this all on their own. Like there would be no dead reckoning if it was just Keith and there'd be no dead reckoning if it was just me. Like when, when I'm slacking, he picks it up. When he's slacking, I pick it up. When, and then at the same time, we're able to encourage each other to kind of just keep going and all that. And so, yeah. Uh, it's incredibly important to find people just like you two or our friends uh, to kind of like latch onto and leech off of at times too. Like it's like when he, when he's crushing it, I'm like, okay, now it's my turn. You know, it's like that competitiveness too. And not like to see him fail or do better than him, but it's like, I know I can do that too. Yeah. Like, sure. I think just an overwhelming desire to not be the the weak link. Um, and we for sure like fight like fucking siblings too. Um, but like, and it, but it, that, it's always constructive. Like they, thank God we don't live next door to each other because the picket fence and separating the yards would probably be broken a hundred times over. Like um, stepbrother style, like fighting and getting the hose down by our wives. But like yeah. we, yep. um, 
we we're we have a, a really you know part of the the great thing about our creative relationship is that we're not afraid to tell each other when and like an idea does not speak to us you know that the other has um and we're also not afraid to like if if the other is you know passionate enough like to to let them like either like to run with it and allow them to fall on their face or whatever you know but like um and sometimes it smashes but um but either way like we, we have a, a really deep respect for each other and our um our taste and our you know our creative differences and stuff as well as the similarities yeah i uh i couldn't agree more with, with everything that you're saying i think the going back to like finding your people i I've said it for years and years now, the people that you choose to have around you says more about you than, than anything else, uh, as a person, it really does. Um, and there's a lot of similarities there between you guys and, and Brock and I, um, it's just a couple episodes where I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Like I dropped the ball. Thank you. You were crushing it. Like you picked up the slack, you know, and, so it's, uh, it's really, really nice to have that, have that friend. And I think that that's, it's super important for doing what it is that you're trying to accomplish in the creative space. Well, and it like, it keeps you accountable too, I think is the big mm-hmm. thing is it's, it's not even just like, Hey, I, I, I want to continue to be good for my friend or like whoever you're working with, you want to mm-hmm. like, you want to take the next step and bring them with you. And then you can kind of like alternate around and it, it's really, really hard to do that on your own for especially sure. when you don't have like you said maybe you don't have your network or you don't have that close friend that like thinks like you do um man it's it's really fucking hard to do that yeah and, and i always and the analogies i immediately usually go to are like the gym or fitness or something like that i was i was a medic i, was, I did personal training briefly uh i'd work out at the station as much as i can and like yesterday with my crew we did a partner workout we're all motivated after the holidays of course and we're like we need a get get everything back together and all that feeling feeling thick after that uh, <laughs> yeah exactly that holiday cake you know well if i'm rowing on my my, my by myself through like a circuit yeah i'm gonna keep like a two minute or 220 pace because i'm gonna slow it down and just chill and not work too hard or anything like that and yesterday during our five rounds each one of us were like rowing at like a minute 40 pace like just burning through a minute 30 pace and like, there's no way I would do that by myself. I like, I'm not gonna push myself that hard, but when I know like they're waiting on me or they they're relying on me, you, you're always going to do better. And so like, I come from sports growing up, like I, I played a lot. And so like, I'm, I thrive in those team environments, you know, it's like Keith is my, my, my part, my partner, my teammate, you know, I can't let him down just like all of this, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There've been definitely uh, some, some late nights, for me where I'm like, when I, when I produce like my YouTube videos or whatever, I'm like, eh, I'm tired. I want to play video games or like whatever. I'll, I'll do it on my day off. But there's been several nights where I'm like, man, I'm really tired, but Brock is really relying on me to get these couple videos done. Like I need to get these done for him so that he can put them out. Let me, I, I, I need to, I need to do this. So having that like extra push of somebody, just like you're saying, Tyler, of somebody relying on you uh, is that's big. Like that's a big, big motivator because sometimes it's hard to like motivate yourself for your own personal stuff. And I'm, I'm sure it's the same thing 
with writing or or whatever other project you're working on at, at the time where if, if it's just for you you're like eh, it can wait well, i'm tired i want to watch netflix but when somebody's like relying on you you're like i gotta log in like i gotta get this done good because he did his part and i need to do my part now so um yeah it's a big motivation for sure yeah i think the communication is key too because tyler and i for sure like with everything else that we have going on um we get like that and so we're just brutally honest with each other like hey like i'm not doing it um or hey i'm gonna do this and like you have you know x x amount of days to, to do your end or whatever um but the the communication is key yep. you guys have um i'm curious like i i know my relationships and the people that i have that like kind of close bond with or whatever like tim and a few other friends did you guys know like almost immediately when you met each other you said you just hung out that one night i oh really i no. um I, I was like, like a buck like 50 soaking wet uh he um he did not strike me as a as a person he like he was very fresh in his career too um i was like at the end of mine and he was at the beginning um so he like and i was just like oh man like he's a nice kid but like i just did not know um what what we could have had in common you know um like he still had like a super boot haircut like he uh he was like it's super drunk the first night i met him um trying to get, get me to tell him the master mason's password like uh just like I, I, yeah, well, it's uh, <laughs> he um and i was just like I, I didn't but we didn't talk enough like you know you can you can for sure like enjoy enjoy someone and like have no um no inclination to like continue to get to know them um i just knew that like he, he was a, he seemed to be a genuine person and, and and i liked him um but you know knowing what we know now like we had um we've always had more in common than than we realized and we continue to find things out about each other that like um that you know reveal even more of that um we're like we have a ridiculous amount of common we just didn't it was too much to unearth at that time so yeah a lot of people like they see me and Keith and like they're like oh you guys like contrast each other well because they see me as this firefighter dude like American boy I I I get it all the time and Keith's in the punk rock scene you know and it's like neither one of us I don't think judged each other for that by any means because he had like the hand tattoos and was like like I said in the punk rock scene growing up I didn't think anything of it because I just don't give a shit about that but I like to joke with uh, Tyler's wife about how perfect he is too. Um, yeah, it's all American boy. Yeah, yeah it's really, it's, really I'm, fun. I'm very, very aware of the perception I give off. Yet yeah, that's just all it is is a perception. I've done a lot of stuff in my life that a lot of people don't know. <laughs> so I guess I'm just good at hiding it. I don't know. But uh, and and I come from a, a, a childhood that I had to grow up very quick and deal with a lot that a lot of, again a lot of people just don't know. And not that like I keep it to myself by any means, but it's not like just information I just put out there uh, with anyone. But it, uh, yeah, it we we didn't necessarily just like immediately click, but we got along really well. And I don't know like if I immediately click with like that many people to begin with. So I'm I'm friendly with most people, and uh, I can develop a relationship. I think with pretty much anyone, but something like this, like it. I think it's just something that just matured over time. Yeah. 
we i i also I, I think it comes down to two like if you you know we're we're a pretty good gauge of character um and, and i think we both pick up on different things but like um i'm i'm very much of the mindset like when i meet someone um that like i can i can get a pretty good read on them usually and if i can it bothers the shit out of me but like i can usually get a pretty good read of on somebody and like you know the read that i got of tyler was that, that he's a good person so usually i'll may you know I'll, I'll be dismissive of someone that i like immediately like will witness something or like will pick up on something that i'm like no nah, that's not that's not for me you know which in the military like was very difficult to maintain relationships because like in terms of like value-based uh lifestyles like I, I did not mesh with a lot of people um given the like the culture and stuff but um you know the way the way that you treat your friends and family and stuff is is a pretty good indicator of how um how you're gonna treat the person that you're meeting so um, um and i'm kind of more on the other end where i almost click with anyone and trust them probably more than i should and yes I, I want people to like i just put my faith in people I, I haven't necessarily ever been burned by it per se but like i just want to believe in the best of them and i feel like if you are already kind of pitting them against themselves and your mind like they're going to fail and so I try to let try to give some grace um, and I'm probably too forgiving at times. And so I got to, that, that's where our balance is at is over here. In the middle is where, where we meet on most things. It's a tough thing to balance. I think that there's merit to both sides of that. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think that I'm, I don't know which side I fall on, but yeah, I think that both I can sides tell you have value. <laughs> I, I, I can, can tell you. you. Yeah, hey, Tim here. Yeah. Hey, uh, your best friend here. I could tell you, cause I was actually just talking to Jessica about this, uh, my wife a, a couple weeks ago, I think ever since I've known Brock in, in a social setting, I think I'm quicker at making friends. Brock is, is much better at keeping friends. So Brock is, is just like, just like me, like he's very, very likable. And we make the joke that everybody likes Brock. That's his fiance makes that joke. I make that like, everybody loves Brock. I don't I like think, either. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I appreciate that. This, this is awkward now. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> um, but like at a party or whatever, especially like a couple of years ago, like I'm, I'm good at like socializing and making friends, but like, it'd be six months later and Brock's like, Oh, I'm going to have go like have lunch with so-and-so. And I'm like the one dude from the party, like, how are you still <laughs> talking to him? And he's like, Oh yeah. Like we text all the time. And so like Brock is like really good at like keeping friends for a long time. And it's like, it's, it's the coolest thing to see because his like friend group just like gets bigger and bigger. And I'm like, yeah, like we had fun that one night. Like I remember meeting you six months ago and Brock's like, no, I like talk to him all the time. I'm like, what? Why the, why the fuck would you talk to that guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Gotten me in trouble so many times though, because I will just like coming into living with my fiance and um, she'll, I'll just say like, oh, like I'm talking to this person. They're like, and, oh, who is that? Oh, well, my friend from whatever. And I always use that friend term like super loosely. So she says friend and she like immediately assumes that we're like, we talk every day. And then she's well, like, who, who are they? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, 
I, the last time I saw him was like four years ago. Like, they're, yeah, oh, yeah. they're just my friend. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's gotten me into trouble more times than, but I, I think that there's value in, and why I've really like leached onto this podcast thing is I feel really empowered by the more people that I know. And I'm like, I don't know if you guys have read that. Um, there's a Malcolm Gladwell book. I think it's Outliers or The Tipping Point but he talks about like the connector people, like that's who I am. And like, I feel mm. empowered by like, oh, hey, you should talk to this person because they can like offer you something and like having those connections and um, just, it, you guys are probably our eight or ninth interview maybe. And just getting to meet such cool people is such a fun thing for me. So this that's is what, like something I feel honestly, naturally apt at. Yeah. Yeah, that's honestly what really got me into one, like wanting to keep going with Ted Reckoning. Is I was talking to awesome people and getting to hang out with Keith all the time, one of my one of my best friends, you know. And so, why not keep doing that? <laughs> I right. also realized um, a long time ago, just a side note, that like you don't have to be like best friends with everyone, and you don't have to like stay in touch with everyone all the time. Like sometimes I feel guilty, and I have to remind myself. Um, that like sometimes a relationship is literally one interaction, you know, sometimes that's, that's like what you get out of it. And it doesn't always have to be, um, this ongoing thing. Uh, just like, you know, you don't have to be like heartbroken every time, like when you're like young and stuff, I think that was kind of when I started learning it, but like, you don't have to like be heartbroken every time a fucking girl breaks up with you or vice versa. Like it could, that can just be like the experience that it was. And then, and then you go on, um, and friendships are, are really no different. Like you, you know, you get what you came for out of the relationship. It doesn't, you don't have to continue to try to squeeze shit out of something that literally only has that, that little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's so many, when you think about what it takes <clears throat> to be friends with somebody, mm-hmm. there's so many things that have to line up at the same time. You know, you have to be kind of in a similar phase in your life, like in terms of age, like, um, you know, like if one person's having kids and the other person is in their, their drinking and partying stage, like that isn't, it, it's not a deal breaker, but it's not going to immediately connect. You're not going to connect over talking about staying up all night with your kids. And then you need to kind of have similar interests. And then you need to be in the same place in the same time and also have like time to foster that relationship. And there's a lot, the stars really have to align to like be consistent long-term friends with somebody. And then to actually have that endure when people are moving at different paces is it's incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. That like that like overcommitment side of uh, social anxiety is fucking crippling. And like, it's one, like it's one thing that like, I'm not, I'm not shy about it at all anymore. Like, I, Hey, no, like can't commit to that. Why? Uh, Cause I don't want to, um, yeah. no, oh, like yeah. I'm not, not fucking interested. Um, oh, oh no, I'm not going to come out. Like, Oh, like, do you have something going on? Nope. I, like, I just don't want to, like, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, you don't have to do things that you don't want to do. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm at a point in my life where like, that's, that is for sure the mantra. Like I'm not doing shit that I like, I don't, I don't care about that. I don't want to do. Um, and the, the sooner you can, you can kind of wrap your head around, like how empowering that is um, to have the time that you want because you make the time that you want is pretty, pretty game changing. For sure. And I think people respect that too. 
Like when you're just brutally honest with somebody, they're like, okay, no, like, like makes sense. My wife and I work together. We're both in sales. And there's been like so many times somebody that we work with would be like, Hey, we're like going downtown or we're going to do this. Do you guys want to go? And my wife's like, Oh, maybe. And I'm like, no. And they're like, Oh, like why? And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go. Like, I think I don't, it confuses I don't. a lot of people like that. It can, does. You know, the guy that, that punched the kangaroo in the face, like yeah. and, and the look, <laughs> the look on the kangaroo's face. Like, I think it's like that. I think like yeah. a lot of people like don't know how to react to that. They're like, Oh, mm-hmm. and yeah. you like, especially when you don't lie about it, like, yeah. Oh. Well, this is fucking weird now. Like, no, it's not. Like, like it's yeah. weird that somebody's telling you the truth, doing. you know? Right. Yeah, it's something right. that we've had I've had to learn over time, especially with like the dead reckoning thing <clears> and, and like just to say no to things is it's it's a skill that you have to develop because especially when yeah. you're wanting to pursue like grow something too and the yeah. stress that goes into that. Because you think every opportunity is gonna be the opportunity to take it to the next level or whatever the case may be. And so you talk yourself into things that probably aren't gonna give you the payback worth your time you know so you do have to actually filter through a couple decisions like okay that's just not worth my time well correct me if i'm wrong but i would assume too like with with the dead reckoning collective it probably hit a certain point where you guys i would assume had a lot of people like reaching out to you and they wanted to to do certain things or have you guys on on certain things or whatever the case may be um how was that to kind of like adjust and and start telling people no more often than you were probably used to and i know i know uh, personally what's hard is this is a business and initially it started off very personal because i started with one of my friends and we were just excited to give back to the community and then it grew into being a business and i changed my thinking of oh i'm a business owner now like i can be people's friends essentially but at the same time like my time is extremely valuable now because i also have a family of four kids um and they're my priority more than anything and if everything's always pulling me away from them plus my other job plus my own schooling and my own passions like whatever i'm approached with like it has to add value and it takes a lot of confidence to be able to tell people that like just no i'm sorry and so you, you definitely have to understand who you are now because we it grew up it grew relatively quickly where we not that i didn't necessarily feel like i was a nobody but i, I thought i was just somebody who, who just was contributing to the community and uh now in a sense like we're, we're shaping it and like that's the relationship we have with it so yeah it, it was something that evolved for me it's also um you know, we have to continually check ourselves and, uh, and, and remind ourselves that we are, <clears throat> because we're a veteran publishing company, you know, that we're veterans ourselves and we are exclusively publishing the written work of veterans. Um, that, that, that means that like nine times out of 10, we may be getting somebody who this is their first crack at it. They haven't submitted anything anywhere else for publication and like industrially, um, you know, culturally, like rejection is a huge part of, uh, of being a writer, um, and, and being able to take that it's, it's not just it's, and it's not anywhere near the same as being cut from a team. It's not anywhere near as the same as like, you know, trying out for something and, and getting told no. Um, because a lot of times, 
uh, that rejection will be just like feedback. Sometimes, I mean, if you're doing your job right, you'll you'll get feedback also. Um, as you know, as a as a publisher, as an editor, as as whatever. Um, but it's a, it's a really important part. The problem with you know nine times out of ten, the uh, submission being from a veteran who hasn't submitted anything anywhere else ever. Uh, and this is the first thing they've ever written is that it's crushing to them. And they don't understand that, um, you know, seasoned writers, uh, my, my girlfriend, um, has been writing for a long time. She's, she's got her MFA. She teaches creative writing. She, uh, has a whole shit ton of things, um, out for submission right now. And she's like, you know, almost daily, she'll get like a rejection letter from something. Um, she's got like, she'll submit the same piece to like 10 different publications, uh, simultaneously. And so she'll, she'll get those. Um, and it's just, it's just part of the game, you know? Um, and so the pro so the problem I think is that like, we are, we are a publishing company, um, you know, trying to appeal to, to writers. And so we have to, like I said, regularly check ourselves and remind ourselves that that's, um, that's who we have chosen for our, our demographic for clients. And that sometimes we have to explain a little bit more too. that, like, it doesn't mean that we hated it. Or sometimes it does mean that we hated it. Sometimes it, it means that like, that you should do something else. Um, sometimes it means that you should develop yourself more as a writer. Sometimes it means that you, you know, and so we try to give, give people some, some more in depth. Um, I also like, uh, don't, don't respond well to like the, the strong arm shit. So if you, if you expect things immediately just because you sent something you know you can send this to any number of publishing companies if you sent it to us i i kind of um i assume that like it's because you have researched our company enough that like you this is where you want it not just because you're a veteran and just because you're a veteran doesn't mean that you're going you know that that we are going to publish your your work um we do have specific expectations you know um and so we we try to try to maintain a level of accountability, and we try to um, you know we try to provide good feedback. We try to try to do a lot of things, um, and uh, and you know that's like I said with the like development and education and stuff. That's kind of why we've started doing that too because we saw a need for it. Um, we don't yeah, we don't want to just set people up to fall on their face. Like um, if if we're telling other people. Uh, who may not want to go do a four-year degree or, you know, a, a master's program or whatever, but that want to learn a little bit better about how to be, you know, a better writer, how to, how to present something, how to submit something, um, then we'll, you know, we'll offer, offer different opportunities to learn how to do those things better. Yeah. This is a world that like Keith and I are still like continually learning about and, and, and uh, broadening our understanding of it. And like, I went and pursued a, a business degree so I could understand business that much more because again, that's what we developed into. I needed to understand writing that much more. So I pursued an MFA. What does that mean? Like not only am I learning and becoming more of a subject matter expert, it also shows that you're becoming disciplined in the craft and that's what this is. And when just because you write something doesn't mean it deserves publication. Just because you have a cool story doesn't mean you know how to write well. And so that's what a lot of the educational side of things is, is like, this is a, a world of its own that has its rules that you have to kind of play by a little bit. And like when you guys reached out for the podcast, it was extremely professional. And so you understood mm -hmm. the, the value of our time 
in the value of you and who you are and like your, your confidence within what you guys are offering us to be able to come onto your podcast. You know, like that's a relationship, like it's a business one at first, and then it could develop into more of a personal one. And again, that's what, um, it's a weird dynamic because we started kind of grassroots and like, I feel like that's where we will always kind of be. Uh, and we, I like the idea that we're approachable, but they also have to understand what we have created and value our time and it is and, it, and it's a hard balance because people want the feedback people want uh some direction especially because this is so new for them and that's what we wanted to create is like hey this is an important aspect of your life that you probably aren't doing just like again the working out thing like hey go get the reps in that's what the writing is go get the reps in just because you wrote one thing doesn't mean you can go run a marathon now you can go get a, a publisher i'm like uh, a publishing deal and so it's like keep working at it that's what we're doing constantly it, it has become work and we posted something not too long ago about being a writer and it's like what makes you a writer is you're putting in the work the the, the art of war uh sunsu whatever but the war of art by pressfield he, he talks a lot about that is it doesn't take that creative an idea or that interesting of a story to write a book like that is a huge contributing factor you know, it creates a book, the work you put into it, like work is the one requirement to finish a project. Everything else is supplemental. And so it becomes work. And that's what's hard between like Keith and I's relationship, even at times is we have a work relationship, but a very personal relationship. And it's hard to separate. And that that is a struggle and, and something that we have are constantly, uh, again, checking ourselves. And at the same time, again, we started grassroots. And so we understand the appeal that we have. And we understand the demographic that we're appealing to. And so like, just because I go get an MFA doesn't mean I need to look down from my Ivy tower because that's what we hated about academia, you know, but it also knows should show that like, I have an understanding now, a different one, whether it's better or not, who knows, but at least a more informed one. We're finding a very healthy balance um, regularly of uh, being gatekeepers um, as well as like, breaking shit down that we don't like you know um so it's i mean we're 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 constantly finding things we're like why why is that a thing like and then so we just don't do that like where it's it's just you know it's one of those like cultural like industrial norms that like everybody everybody just kind of does and we're like well yeah we're not gonna do that like that's stupid to us Um, for like the the slush pile or for uh my mfa one of the classes i took was specifically to help publish the the university's literary journal and uh, i was one of the assistant editors for that and so what does that mean they sent like literally a, a hundred short stories uh to us and we had to read through the slush pile is what it's called and so what does that tell me now well now i understand what the general demographic like the general writer is writing about so that gives me an understanding well what is like and then i also have studied classical and contemporary fiction now and what made those writers stand out well they were always looking into the future and so when people start writing about interesting stories or uh, interesting ideas, sometimes, unfortunately, the market's just not in demand for that, too. And that's a, a, a totally different conversation. It's like, this is good, good writing. We, it's not marketable right now. You're, you're behind the times, unfortunately. Or you may be too ahead of your time. You know, like, let's figure out how we can find that balance. Yeah. And that those are things that, like, we're learning to understand that much more because we have put ourselves in this community. Mm-hmm. Can you guys talk a little bit about, uh, we've kind of jumped around a little yeah. bit, but can you talk about, um, I guess, so this started out as like an online blog, right, Keith? Uh, 
can you talk about the development and at what was the tipping point for when you talk about what you were doing with that, how long that ran, and then at what was the the deciding factor of, hey, this needs to be a business and like maybe the development of the business and something that I'm in particular curious about is obviously you guys are not doing this for nothing. I, I don't believe it's DRC is a nonprofit by any means. How do you balance? There's so much in the veteran community that's like about giving back. How do you balance like, hey, we need to like, we're making this a business and but also trying to do good at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, I mean, we understand the value of sustainability. Um, and uh, we also understand the, the value of passion. So uh, balancing those things um, is important. And, um, you know, we want to, I think every, every project that we've done, um, Tyler and I go into with the, the idea uh, that it's going to fund the next one. You know, it's important for one to do well because like, like, you know, we've had, um, we've had little, little missteps where like we've thought something is going to do well and it hasn't, um, you know, everything, everything is done pretty well, but there's been, there's been a, like one or two things where like you can tell, like we thought it was going to do better than it did and it did not. And so like having those expectations is sometimes disappointing. Um, but I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, switching over to the monetized side, um, you know, from a blog, uh, really it's sustainability. Are you going to be able to sustain just doing something, um, for free forever? Uh, like in, in the business world, like you should, you have to, um, you can't expect to take a paycheck, you know, first day. Um, you have to be willing to, to do some work for yourself for free. That's not, that's not working for somebody else for free. That's, you know, actually like fueling, um, fueling your own, your own passion project and stuff, um, or doing what you know is going to do well eventually. So I think with that, like with, with this being like project oriented, Tyler and I have always like done each of these projects, knowing that if one is doing well, it's going to fund the next one. Um, you know, and it's going to, and then collectively those things are all going to fund the great, you know, the greater good. Um, we Another, also like in, in like the, the altruistic sense, uh, you know, we're, um, we do those different charitable projects. Um, so like, you know, we have like a series of, uh, the developmental courses right now. And the, the third one in this series, uh, is a recovery based course that, that my, partners teaching um, and all the money is going. So when we're going to kind of try to do that with these developmental courses, like, you know, when we do a, a season or a series of them, one of them is going to be, you know, donation-based and, and also the, the donations are going to fund, um, you know, something, something else uh, that somebody else is doing. Same with the poetry anthologies that we do, like all the money from those right now goes to Hunter seven um, has gone to different like nonprofits and charities in the past. So we try to, we try to do those. Um, just to, to keep ourselves honest, honestly. To talk more about like the business, I think Keith mentioned at the beginning, like I wear multiple hats. And so like, I, it's hard to like see the world in multiple different ways, but I think that's the gift of a writer too, as you can. And so the, the, the creator artistic writer in me sees the world one way, but then the business side of me sees another, another thing. When we were just the blog site, essentially, I know what I noticed was like, there's a dozen of these like just within the veteran community yeah. and each one of them brings something different to the table. 
uh, they appeal to different demographics and everything. And when you look at the business side, it's like, okay, that's your consumer. Well, what do we offer that's that much different? It's just a blog site. Well, at that point, it was just really us two. And it's like, in order to create something like that, you have to continually put out that content. Um, and I remember like an, an essay or article, or whatever, about like five pitfalls with money for a private or something like that. And like, I hated it because it was like, that's not how I write. I don't, that, that's clickbaity. That's, that's a, uh, yeah. Like, well, what value does it have? Everybody knows them, you know, and like there, there is some value, I guess, into it. And people thought it was funny or whatever, but like we're, we weren't, we're not necessarily journalists and we're not trying to go get this, the news and this and all that, um, or really op-ed pieces like opinions. And so it's like, okay, well, at, then we're not really bloggers at that point. We're, 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 we want to tell the story in, yeah. in a long form. And, and we're also more about the arts, uh, and so that was the poetry. And so we're like, well, there is no publish, publishing companies in the veteran community. There's publishing companies at large. But how do we, again, how do we bridge that gap to tell the, the veteran story to a bigger platform? And it's like, we need to publish books at this point because that's not happening. And so we saw that opportunity. And it's like, how do we make ourselves more relevant? Like within, yeah. like, I think about it a lot, like within the fire service the fire service is becoming irrelevant in a way because the inspectors and investigators are put, trying to put us out of job because buildings are being built. So, uh, well, fire resistant and insurance companies are making claims where if a house burns down, it's just cheaper to honestly just pay it off, you know? So how does the fire service become relevant? Well, now we do EMS, you know, we, we provide medical service. Now we provide community education. Uh, we become a face for all, all that other stuff. And so you have to see everything as, how do you become relevant in the future? Because if you're thinking about right now, you're, you're behind the curve. And so yeah. that was like the determining factor where it's like, we, again, sustainability, we can't sustain just a blog just between Keith and I. And the, the type of writings that we like aren't going to just be blog writings. Like we like the poetry, we like all this other stuff. And so we thought about like the literary journals or the lit mags and all that stuff and then blog books. And so like that's something that's not being provided in our community at this time. So let's, Let's be that those people to help uh, see, um, people see their projects through. And it's not going to go anywhere as easily, you know, um, like a blog. A blog can, you know, if you like leave it dormant, like uh, I had this really cool blog and eventually like, he, you know, he's got all this stuff saved, but eventually like it goes offline. Um, same, same with like social media. We've seen, we're old enough now that we've seen a couple different social media platforms um, crash and burn. Uh, and then those, and that's kind of where like the initial idea for the blog came out of too, is that like, it was at a time where a lot of, a lot of things were happening in the world, um, that like our peers were speaking on. And I was like, man, what a shame, because like, I've seen that shit, like, you know, uh, show like send me a MySpace bulletin from, uh, like 2002, like you can't because it's, <laughs> it's gone. Um, you know, and I don't think Facebook is anywhere near the same uh because nobody from myspace like tom from myspace never had to testify in front of congress but uh it is for so it's probably not going anywhere but it is for sure a possibility um and it wouldn't it be a shame for you to write this like you know beautiful like first draft of an essay in a friggin' status and then have it be gone so right. um so that was really the, you know one of the main motivators um was to create books because books yeah you you know books can get destroyed and, and all that but i mean if you if you press a couple hundred of them um 
they're they're floating out there in the universe versus whatever in the you know you might find one in a used bookstore it's it's much more uh mysterious and and um uh you know it's it's a cool thing like to be able to find uh like i've i've gotten into um vietnam veterans poetry uh there were we are we are by no means you know the first people to do this there were people that were coming back from vietnam and doing the same thing starting small presses um you know creating different anthologies uh of poetry and short stories and stuff like that um and then and even you know one of the poetry anthologies that i have from like vietnam veterans they were donating pooling all the money back to uh relief in indochina you know like and, and we we found all this out after like after the second poetry anthology um but you know it's a it's a common a common desire to like want to um to leave some sort of legacy i think among veterans i think that that's true probably of anybody but maybe especially people that are kind of creative or in this space um just like when you really start to think about big picture uh i've been like posed with the question and try to remind myself of this question like a, a lot but you know if money was no object what is what is it that you're going to be working on and like, what are you going to be? And a lot of the things that people like, they're like, oh, well, I would be working at a charity or like, and the reasoning for that is like creating a lasting impact on the world that's positive and, mm -hmm. or at least positive and important in your eyes. And a book, like there's almost not much more that's lasting than that. You know, th those books will still be around in a hundred <clears throat> years, 200 years, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's cool. I um, that that's a really interesting dynamic, and I like hearing that. What um, uh, I guess, how did you guys recognize that there was no veteran publishers out there? Was that just something that came as a result of like spending time in the space, and you're just like, oh, maybe we should do that? Or I personally count myself a part of this cohort of people that's looking for opportunities to like that you're uniquely suited for. And a lot of times, like you may not know exactly what it is that you should be doing. Um, and when you talk to people that have like gone way down the path, it, the way that they describe it makes it sound just like, oh, it was just an idea. And I just decided, you know, maybe I should do that. Um, we, yeah. One of our more known authors, uh, when we initially told him that we were considering starting a publishing company before he was one of our authors uh told us that publisher was a dirty fucking word um yeah. and uh you know now he i count him as one of our closest friends um and and for sure uh you know one of our, our rock stars our champions um and i think that speaks to the industry and it speaks to the veterans experience in the industry is that it is it is a fucking dirty word um you know it is a negative experience for a lot of people so we saw <clears throat> not necessarily that no one was doing anything similar at all but that like no one was adequately or honorably serving the population um that that we wanted to so i, I mean that's easy you know like i think those are that's where the the best the best business models come from that's where the best business ideas come from where um, you know, you, you start, you see a deficiency and you're like, oh shit, like I can do that better. Um, 
you know, and I, I see that all the time. A lot of a lot of the merchandising and and different you know pre-order packages and stuff that um, that we've come up with uh, are based on like my experiences touring with hardcore bands in the in you know the the early two thousands. Um, and people are always like, "Oh, it's so cool to have like a T-shirt with a book." I'm like, "Yeah, like this is literally what we were doing when we were you know seventeen. Um, Selling and CDs and having yeah, and it's, right. I'm, you know yeah. having a having a plethora of items like with whatever the main thing is, um, you know, is really cool. It's also really fun. It's like that's that's you know one of the parts that Tyler and I enjoy the most about working with an author is that um, we can do things like that. We can, we can come up with these cool little unique items, um, you know, or these like limited edition t-shirts that, um, that also, uh, tie in with the book. So, um, I think, yeah, I think like the, like you said, like the music industry kind of influenced us and <clears throat> even like the, the movie scene as well. We, I saw personally, I saw all these stories just being somewhat distorted, um, mm-hmm. being Hollywoodized and all that. And like, that's, all American hero type of thing, and it's like, okay, well, that's not really the case usually. And like, I, I was in the 173rd, uh, the deployment after Restrepo, and like, when you watch that documentary, like, that's what it was like, you know, like, that's that's the truth. And so, uh, I've always liked documentaries, you know, and usually any kind of independent films, and it's because they're not necessarily as concerned about, uh, the propaganda necessarily, and they're not necessarily mm-hmm. as concerned about the money. And as those, as money is a motivating factor, like it, it, I think most deaf in one of the Netflix documentaries about hip hop thing, he's like, money was never, uh, like the focus, but she was in the, in the passenger seat. We make sure she was buckled in and she was comfortable and all that, you know, like that's the best way I think that to like, look at it is when you're focused on the arts and you're focused on the story and you're focused on the person, people see the, the authenticity in that. And that's what it was, is the relationship we build with the author when we put out one of their uh, books. Like, I'm constantly sending them the book cover design. They're giving me the input. I'm sending them the interior book, uh, and they're giving back feedback. And so that book becomes something that they help create, not even just the words and the story in it, but the physical copy of it, you know? Um, and I think to them, that holds so much more value uh, when it finally gets printed, where we've had friends that go with into a little bit bigger publishing companies or big ones and they have almost no say in it other than what they submitted. And then the edits that come back, uh, like they've already signed kind of their, their story to the publisher so they can make those changes. And so we just were like, no, let's focus on the individual, the person. Um, and I, that's, that's what I get from it. It's, it's fun. The relationships too. that we build. Yeah. So, what was that transition like going from kind of like running this blog into, okay, now we've, we're lacking in this space. There's really no publishing companies that, you know, that, that work with veterans. This is what we want to do. What's that transition like? Like, do you already have a plethora of, of authors that you're like, okay, we're good to go. Or are you turning it up tenfold and being like, okay, now we need to like, we need to like really find a couple books to publish. We threw ourselves on the fire first. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea that's what fact and memory is, a is a collection of co, uh, co-authored poems, um, from Tyler and I, and we, the, the whole intention of that book, uh, was really to fine tune our process. Um, you know, we also both wanted something out there, uh, but we, we really wanted to, um, create something together and we wanted to create, um, 
you know, a product that we could use as a model. Um, and, you know, we did it really well. We still have uh, people complimenting it all these years later um, and, and, you know, telling us like what a, what a great collection it is, both like, you know, the content, but also like the aesthetic. Um, and so that was really important to us that like that we, if we're going to screw something up, then we do it to ourselves first. Um, so when I say like threw ourselves on the fire, like truly, um, like literally did it. Yeah. Yeah. And sacrificial lamb. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah. like most other stuff, like we just, you know, nailed it. Uh, it's yeah. Lucky, <laughs> and, yeah. but it was a lot of hard work too. And yeah, the reception was like, it just confirmed like what we thought was already happening because to be honest, yeah, it was like a lot of, uh, people putting a little bit of poetry work on Instagram and, and whatever it was. And I just was like, Keith, I write poetry to you. And he was like, yeah, I do. And I was like, well, let's make this book and like show people that like this could be done in a way. And when we got the validation from the reception, it was like, we needed, like, I, again, like almost, I wanted to help provide that for others. And then, <clears throat> then the anthology came out, the first one. And so almost 40 veterans could say now they're published poets and authors. And the book blew up and became a number one new release on Amazon, you know? And it's because you had 40 people promoting it and being like, I have a freaking poem in here. And it's a collection of people from all walks of lives that tells the GWAT story, you know, and it's incredible. Like was, it, amazing poems in there that speak to anyone and everyone, depending on where you come from, there is poems in there that will speak to you. And like that was just such a good feeling to help provide that. And then we had our own poems in there too. And so it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, what's next? And again, like Keith and I, like this has been the slow process to kind of get to the point where we're at, but like when we hit the ground running, we hit the ground running and like, we know how to make things happen when we want to make them happen. But like we have other, other ideas and we're always looking into the future. Okay. Well, what's next? Like we got these, the educational classes going on and the workshops going on right now because we saw a need for that like four years ago because I didn't know how to give feedback to people that well. I could tell Keith what I thought of his stuff, but like it just, I didn't know how to articulate it that well. And yeah. so now I put my space, myself in the space to understand how to give feedback. <clears throat> and then I so I, I honestly made, I put my own writing out there and I said, hey, anybody who wants to critique this, let me know and I, you can send me something. And then that gave me an idea of like 10 or so people that, understood how to read a piece of writing and give me feedback. And so it's like, okay, well you actually understand this. And then these people don't. So confirm, like we need to be able to provide this for the community. It like, goes back to sustainability too, yeah. because like Tyler, uh, we were talking earlier about how like, like we're, you know, the two, these two groups that right now are like, you know, really good at, at some things. And I'm really good at telling Tyler, like, Hey, you gotta stop fucking doing that. Um, one of the things <laughs> that I, I've had to tell him to stop doing is giving people feedback via Instagram or like everybody that emails them and stuff like that. Um, we've drawn a pretty hard line, especially in the last like year and a half yeah. um, that we can't. Um, and, and this is another part of, um, you know, the industry is that like there, there are not a lot of people that you can just like send somebody a DM and be like, Hey, like, what are your thoughts on this? That's number one. It's not going to help you. Number two, I don't have time for it. Um, it's, I'm not going to be able to give you like substantial feedback on, on a poem that you send me in an instant message. So we have drawn a, a really hard line on, um, on what we will accept and how, uh, and generally like we, we do not accept, um, 
submissions that that aren't um, intended for publication um, unless we're we're publishing a, a larger project with you know a whole bunch of smaller pieces so like a, a, an anthology um, there's no reason that people should be sending a single or you know like two three poems at a time um, if you want to publish a book then you you send us a full completed manuscript and when you send us that manuscript there's guidelines in our faq section on our website um, because it, it doesn't it doesn't serve either of us uh, you know, we're, the same thing that's going to happen to you is going to happen to somebody else. The only difference with us, because we're a veteran-owned company, is that we want to see you succeed. So we may explain it to you a little bit more, but another publisher will for sure just throw shit in the, in the trash. Um, you know, we'll, we'll explain like, hey, this is how, how you can do it a little bit better. Or, and that's why we've, we've outlined the, the submission guidelines so clearly as well. Um, but that's just like with anything too, that's like, you know, emailing a business that's like applying for a job. It's like anything. Um, and <clears throat> it, you know, you have, you have one shot. A lot of times, um, we'll take those extra steps. We will, or, or if we see value in a story that may have just be riddled with grammatical and spelling situation and stuff, but the story's there, then then we can work with that. And that's where, where we also differ from, uh, from a publishing company. I know I'm probably opening us up to uh, a whole bunch of Marines sending us, you know, manuscripts and crayons, but, um, but it's true. You know, we, um, we will, we will work with somebody more if the, if the, the substance is there. Um, well, I think yeah. just like having somebody DM you, just like you're saying, like you had to say, stop, stop fucking doing this. Like this doesn't like, you're not, we're not helping it. It's offering a lot of value to the person that's sending the poem, but to you guys as business owners and as the business, it's offering no value at all. No, it's, um, it's a very like one-sided, it's a very one-sided transaction. Yeah. I, I think it's uh, the feedback feedback component is really important. And, and it's um, again, like Tyler was saying, that's, you know, that's why we started the workshops. That's why we started the developmental courses. Um, and we're, we're getting some uh, really good instructors in there um, to, to facilitate those and not have it just be us. Um, but the, the problem that a lot of people have is that they don't actually know what they want for feedback um, yeah. when they, when they ask for it, they, uh, a lot of times I think people really only expect to be told that it's good or it's bad and that's not helpful to anyone. And it's not, to be honest, I like the editorial. I always, I always compare it to a working dog, right? Like um, if you've ever worked with like military working dogs, those dogs only have like a certain, certain amount of hours that they can work in the day. And those hours have to be broken up a certain way. Uh, otherwise they're no good. And they start like missing shit and really like the editorial eye is no different. Um, I can only read so many things. I have a lot of trouble when I'm in school. Um, like right now I'm reading this like Colson Whitehead book of like short, like really short, like essays, memories, like stuff like that. And I tend to read things that are like short bursts when I'm having to read a lot of like textbooks, articles, you know, peer, peer reviewed research shit. Uh, because like my brain is fried by the end of a day of reading for school. Um, and it's no different when like your whole job is, you know, editing and giving feedback and stuff like that and reading uh, the product that somebody sends you. So you, you read through a different lens. It's like now being more in yeah. this community. Like when I just read the things they carried before any of this ever started, 
I read it and I enjoyed it. Like that just was my reaction to reading a book, you know, like this speaks to me. I love it. This is something that I think I could possibly do, you know, and you're inspired as a reader. But once you learn how to read that much more, because that's all you do and you start studying it, like I read through a totally different lens now. There was a guy that I went through to the PB Abate book club thing in uh, Montana uh, last July. And when he told us how he reads, like he's working on his doctorate, he's highlighting like uh, themes within the book. So then he can go back mm -hmm. and do quantitative research on them because he's trying to create the veteran lens for writing, you know, like how do veterans read the text? And so when you ask me for feedback, you're asking me a totally different question than you're asking your, your significant other, your, your, your friend your or, or your aunt, like that's totally two different questions. And we, we've had, and Keith is a good, he's a good uh, little check valve for me, but it, you can't do that for people anymore. And like, I agree, like if it's somebody just, that I know and I've been friends with forever, I'll read it and I'll probably give them just like the, hey, you may need to think about this, this, and this. And like that's as much effort I'm, I'm going to give them and I let them yeah. know that right off the bat. But when you're talking about actual constructive criticism and feedback, like I read through a totally different lens now than I did just two years ago or five years ago. And so it requires a lot more effort for feedback. If I just want to read for enjoyment, I'm just, I can burn through it or whatever. But to read with that eye, it requires a certain amount of bandwidth. And uh, yeah, there's only so much that you can give. Well, I think you're reading through the, the business lens now. Yeah. You know, you started out and I think from a general business context, when you're like maybe just starting out with something like with you guys, it was the blog, you kind of have like this shotgun pattern of like, it's all just, you're trying to figure out what works. And then as you kind of continue to move forward on that, you can kind of narrow the offering and understand, hey, what what value is it that we're bringing to people? And, you know, being able to say no is such a, a big thing generally, because not everybody is your customer. You know, it's not everybody has a great piece of work, you know, and that's that's okay to say. And um, you guys said something, you're not doing anybody any favors by just accepting or publishing everybody just because we're, you're another veteran, you know, you're a friend. Um, yeah, it's like it's sustainability and valuing your own time too, right? Like it's uh, it, this, a doctor can't treat every single patient. Um, that's why, that's why we have, you know, triage, like, yeah. you, you know, you can't, you, you cannot do, um, you can't do everything. You can't be everywhere. So <clears throat> prioritizing it is important um, to, to prevent like burnout in yourself too. What um, I'm curious and hopefully for our listeners too, like let's, can we get a breakdown of like kind of the step-by-step -step process if somebody wanted to uh, be published by you guys, what's kind of the, the general guideline of how that would go, um, how long it would take, maybe some of the economics. Um, can you guys kind of walk us through that basic process? Yeah. Um, so like I said, the all, like if you want to, if you have a completed manuscript, um, then the first step is to go on our website and look at the FAQ section. Um, and in there you'll find all the submission requirements. And then from there, you should then go back and look at your manuscript based on those submission requirements and determine if you do have a completed manuscript. Um, 
you know, and then there's all kinds of things that we can have conversations about, like, why, why do you want to write this book? Why is this book important for people to read? What kind of book is it? Um, we really like don't limit ourselves to any, any one genre. Um, poetry has, has for sure been our, our bestseller um, in every sense, but, uh, but we don't, we don't limit it at all. Um, but any, so at any rate, then, um, you know, once you put the uh, manuscript in the document uh, prescribed in those FAQs, then you send it to the email that's in there. <clears throat> um, once that's done, then, uh, then we review it. Um, I'm in acquisitions. Uh, Tyler's the managing editor. I'm the acquisitional editor. So uh, it comes to me first. Um, and I, and I look for, for a couple different things, but mainly like the first things I'm looking for are the submission requirements. So, uh, can this person follow directions? Um, you know, very similar to a lot of stuff that we experience in the military. Uh, sometimes we'll get DQ'd just based on the simple fact that like you didn't follow simple instructions. Um, and that's important for, for a number of reasons. Um, once we determine that it's a project that we want, uh, then Tyler will also review it and, and he and I will, will agree on it or disagree on it. Um, and then sometimes we'll fight for a couple of weeks about it. Um, but, uh, that's typically what, what the, the initial process is. Um, from there, uh, you get a letter from us, um, expressing our intent to publish, uh, because sometimes, you know, we were talking about it earlier. Sometimes people have simultaneous publications, uh, or submissions, sorry, simultaneous submissions. So um, we want to make sure that since you have sent it, uh, that you still intend to publish with us. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, once we hear back from the author, then uh, then we send out contracts and all that. And then we, we get started on the fun stuff, which is, you know, cover design and um, formatting and, uh, and editing and, and all of that. Very cool. And how many, I guess, give us a sense of how many you guys have done so far? Um, where are you guys going as a company? What do you expect to do in 2022 if you've had those types of conversations? Um, what is I think we're on 11? The, 11 books? This year, uh, we have at least, yeah, we'll probably, we we'll probably on, have. I think we're on this year. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit at least a dozen. At least. Um, <clears throat> And um, we, the, yeah, this, this year uh, is going to be really cool. We have, we have a whole, whole bunch of different projects uh, in the shoot, um, probably more than we can actually uh, make happen. But, um, but that's, you know, they, we're not stopping. So it really. Um, and, as, and as the business grows, the, the, the team continues to grow. Now we have educators, yeah. we're, we have editors more. So like then the process just becomes <clears throat> much quicker and that much more fluid and everything. Yeah. What is a typical like start to stop, like from the time that somebody sends in their manuscript and let's just say it's good. Like, you know, they're a candidate and it's in the format and like they've met all the requirements and you guys want to publish it from the time that they hit send on the email to publishing, like I have a book in my hand. What is that? How long can that take? How long is typical? It can be as short as probably like the quickest it will be is three months and that's hauling. Yeah. Um, and right now it, it can take six to nine months uh, realistically. 
sometimes we'll get uh, manuscripts that have already been professionally edited, um, yes. which, which is, I mean, this is a great talking point, actually. Um, you know, there now that you can self-publish a book if you want. Uh, you can also uh, get a book edited, um, you know, outside of a publishing house. Um, the problem with those things is very similar to any, any kind of like DIY or shortcut thing in that, like, there are people who want to take advantage of you. Um, so we have had some books submitted, you know, manuscripts submitted to us that are already professionally edited um, and they are ready to go. You know, we review them um, and, and they're ready to go. We've had others that have been professionally edited and sent to us and they are not ready to go. Um, so, and there are different types of, of editing services, right there. Um, but, but my point is that like there are, you can, yeah, you can do things yourself. We get that question all the time too, you know, well, like, should I just self-publish, which is kind of, kind of a silly question. Uh, send our way. Yeah, that's so silly. Um, but, but we're also like brutally honest about it. Like, yeah, you absolutely can. But like, you're not going to get these things. You're going to have to do these things on yourself and you're going to have to figure this out for yourself. And, and it becomes a brand bandwidth. <clears throat> it's like, can you do all this on your own? Because, and you absolutely can. People are doing yeah, it constantly. People do. And, and again, like I'm all about supporting the individual. Like that's like, do it. And yeah, like, we have man. projects, like as much as we would want yours, we have others. So like, if that's what you want to do, if you're, if you're on a timeline that you're wanting to work on that, we, we, we're not going to be able to, uh, keep up with then we'll help in any way that we can but more than anything it's just go get it bud <laughs> like it just yeah, yeah. and stuff and there's also a different timeline for poetry and then fiction or non-fiction actual novel or novella or anything like obviously the bigger the project the longer it's going to take but poetry is is a, is, is a lot different because it's <clears throat> it, it's just shorter is really what it boils down to yeah and different types of poetry too um yeah. so it'll it'll sometimes be um sometimes be easier to write uh or sorry to edit poetry um and to format it um and then other times it'll be a little bit trickier um depending on you know the form that the the poet follows and all that yeah um sometimes somebody wants something a little bit more uh complicated for uh for a cover um sometimes there will be some different like clearances and stuff that that are required there's there's all different kinds of variables um, in the projects that we've, we've encountered already so there's something super powerful about like when somebody somebody says like well i could do this you know could i just do it on my own and they almost expect you to say like, no, 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 you, you don't want to do that. Like, like, let us do it for you. There's something super powerful about just being like, yeah, you can, like, I have enough. We, we have enough projects, like go for it. If you want that almost like to the, uh, I'm going to say consumer here because I'm, I'm kind of like generalizing it, but to the consumer, that's almost like, well, wait, hold on. No, no, I, I want, I want you to do it. Um, so it's, that's a, that's a powerful thing. It's powerful in sales It's powerful in, in construction. So I can only assume that that's a powerful, kind of like a powerful move in the publishing world too. Yeah. Um, construction is a great, great comparison. Like, yeah, can, yeah, can you do it? That, that's yeah. a great comparison. Yeah. yeah I'm going to use that one now for sure. Like, can yeah. you do it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. can I, you know, like, and I, I talk about it like with my girlfriend all the time, like, can, you know, can, can I do this? Like, yeah, I can do it but yeah this 
and and also like knowing when you're like way way uh in over your head um Mm -hmm. you know can can you do it yeah probably but it's gonna look like a five-year-old you know pace project like yep um so yeah and i um, use that i use that line in in sales all the time you know people are like well i could i think i could go get it cheaper you probably can Probably. But, you know, yeah, probably. Buy nice or buy twice, bro. Like Exactly. Like, you're going to have to do this all over again, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, let's just get this done here. <laughs> like, where do I sign uh, kind of thing? Have yeah. you, going back to, like, the people get, like, self-edited or, you know, they'll, like, have it edited on their own. Have you ever come across a book that you're like, oh, I could tell that this is edited. Like, this is good. Send me the unedited version, though. Have you ever like done that? No, that could no. I was I was curious on something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I'm wondering what what lens you guys have as veteran editors versus like if somebody is a veteran and they're bringing the manuscript to a professional like but is not military affiliated. How will they edit differently than you guys? Maybe. And that's so that's what I was th- thinking. There's a couple of things to like think about when it comes to editing. Are you editing for grammatical and punctuational and just like copy yeah. editing? Yeah. Or are you getting the feedback of like, hey, dig deeper here? <clears throat> are you uh, maybe uh, we need to scrap this or whatever? And so as far, again, like we're reading, we're reading through like a business lens, essentially. Like we're constantly reading the market of like who's relevant, what's, what's being talked about, um, what, what have we already said within our publications? Um, what can we offer different and stuff? And it's like, that's the, the basic thing. It's like, unfortunately, like if your work is a nine or something, but it follows this idea and we just have somebody else's idea that's almost exactly the same and it's a 10, like yours is great, but we have something that we're willing to put, whatever the case may be, you know, but it's like, yeah. if you're saying something that nobody's saying or sharing something that nobody's saying and it's a six or seven within our scale, like I'm just using numbers to make it a little bit easier to uh, sure. understand. But uh, okay, well, let's help you get it to that, that 10, you know, and the way that we would do that is now through the, the MFA experience that I, I've had with, um, with editing. And then with Keith, just actually having a critical eye, Keith has just a great eye for editing. Um, I'm an asshole. Yeah. He, 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 as you can tell, he's not afraid to say what he's, he's thinking that brutally honest feedback, but at the same time, when we're picking at a manuscript, what we're also working with is, and again, I can relate it to the fire service when we're doing the interview, uh to hire somebody onto our department like there's only a hundred of us there can we even work with you like yeah you may be a stud but yeah. like, are you like likable to be honest too like are, are you somebody that we want to live in at this house with you for 24 hours okay now on this publishing side are you an author that we're going to work with or is this something that's going to be like are you going to be difficult like yeah we're bringing you into the like our family like anybody who we've brought on now has become friends with almost every other author that we have in the community with that they're part of the community that much more you know so like are you somebody worth like even working with and like if that's we've had a few of those too where like you know we were like tyler and i'll have like a you know a, a little meeting after and be like we dodged a bullet there like that would have been a nightmare um yeah or or we're like we love this person like let's encourage them like they're they're almost there you yeah. know and and like we have a lot of those people who we don't have on contract at all right now but we believe in them. We believe in their story. Uh, we're friends with them. And it's like, once they're ready and we're ready, like, let's do it. You know? And that, and that's, what's also hard too, is we're at this point where, sorry. Um, 
we need something finished right now because that's what we're working with, with time and effort and energy and manpower. We're getting to the point where we can offer more, uh, but you don't turn in an assignment that's 70% done, you know, yeah. or it's going to be received as a, an assignment done 70%. And we don't have, we do have the, the capabilities to help you see it all the way through, but that's going to require so much more. So like it has to be something that we're worth, that that's worth spending our time on, you know, um, we, we take it. I mean, bottom yeah. line is that we take it very seriously, um, yeah. regardless of what story you're telling. Um, you know, we understand like the, the amount of time and effort, um, that goes into creating a finished product and, and, and the courage that it takes to submit it to a publisher or even an editor, um, to, to get feedback, to, you know, put it out into the world, like all those things, like, take a tremendous amount of time and effort and um, vulnerability. And, um, you know, one of, one of the best examples of that, um, you know, on a, on a bigger level, uh, even aside from like the personal manuscripts that people send us is um, the poetry anthology that we do. You know, that was a project that was started by Leo Jenkins and Leo has more faith in us. I always like joke than he should. Um, (laughs) He, you know, um, we, we've built a a really like beautiful creative relationship with him, but that poetry anthology was, you know, was brought to, to us. Cause he was like, you know, I think that I could do this for sure. But like, I think, you know, this is something that you guys should do. So it's a project, um, that we've been really lucky to, to work with him on, um, now for, for two volumes. Um, and, and it's something that he was super passionate about and he saw, uh, a light in us to, to carry that on and, and see it through. Um, and we've done it twice now, uh, together with him, um, you know, from the selection process to the, the artwork to, you know, everything, um, creative with it. And, um, you know, we, we don't take it lightly that, that people look at us as an authority and as a, um, you know, as, as educators and, um, and gatekeepers, uh, like we really, really don't, um, we take it very no, it's seriously. a huge responsibility, uh, one that we, we were fully aware of. And, we, and we, we do our best to respect that, again, it, it, you writing a book is the most personal thing you can do. Uh, and again, this is business that we, we've had to learn because <clears> it <throat> is, yet we also want to keep it that personal uh, uh, kind of pu- customer service, essentially, I guess if you want to call it. Yeah, I'd imagine that a lot of the works that you guys are getting and um, some of the works that I've read from other veteran writers are extremely vulnerable. And, um, you know, you're kind of, you're pouring your heart out in a way um, and looking for kind of that validation of your story and your time and um, kind of the processing of everything that you've been through, I guess, in a, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what, um, so you guys started with the publishing You've got these classes now where you're teaching, um, writing, able to give like individual feedback and those. Where do you guys see the the future of Dead Reckoning Collective? What is something that you're looking at that you maybe want to offer in the next couple of years or where you guys are going as a business? Oh, that's a good one. I think we have ideas. I don't know if we can necessarily just start sharing them because then we're just like speculating on some of them. Uh, Yeah. Also, but, we'd have to kill you. Yeah. 
but we'll bleep this out. We'll, we'll continually. <laughs> Tim first. He's got the face for it for sure. Dang it! Um, it's the nice face, man. I yeah. think it, I think definitely the educational side of things is where we're going to put a lot of focus and effort, along with the workshops. Yeah. Um, again, the, the one of the best things that we've helped done is create to be a bar, part of this community and help create the community. Again, Keith and I don't have the time to give you the feedback um, all the time, but aspiring writers have clicked together within this group and now they're talking a whole bunch. So if we can help foster that environment and make each one of those writers that much better of a contributor and that much better of an editor, then all we're doing is just making the community better at the craft. So I think the educational side of things, the workshop side of things uh, is where we're going to put a lot of focus on. Yeah, uh, just well fostering after. those like professional relationships too, like the yeah. the you know the um the the different collaborations that we've had with uh, PB Abate and Coffee or Die magazine, um and you know uh, countless others. Um, it's just it's such a cool thing to do. Um, you know to be able to uh to say like well like we don't have the bandwidth for this, um but like there's there's this thing that's a, that's happening and and you should check this out. Um, cause it might be a little bit more in line with what you're talking about. That's not really what we do, but they do it really, really well. Um, yeah. you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of different things, um, within like the literary industry and in the veteran community that, um, that these things are, are happening all the time, uh, yeah. especially with, uh, you know, with, with writing and, and, you know, writing workshops, um, courses, uh, like one, of, one know, example, community events. Yeah. One example that like I've had the the idea to do or the passion to do is like a literary journal or a literary magazine you know and i was bugging keith about it for years to like let's do this let's do this let's do this and he made the comment is eventually like we can only be great at so many things so if we put this out how good is it really going to be how much time are we really going to be able to offer um put into this you know and then at the same time coffee or die starts putting out their magazine you know so it's like perfect and so now we have a working relationship with them where some of our authors have been able to go over there and get into their magazine and keith and i are published through them as well now you know and so again now it's about networking and getting into bigger publications and using the resources and friends that we have developed over this time where again same thing not that we're passing you off to somebody else we're passing you off to a friend and you're worth calling you a friend or something you know so uh that's that's part of it as well as we we understand our niche we understand our value and who we are and we're going to continue to develop those and we're going to continue to broaden through those spaces but as of right now this is what we offer and, and we're proud of it mm -hmm. well and i think that at a certain point like you, you mentioned it earlier but you can't you can't do a lot of things super well and yeah. it's okay to just be really really good at one thing because yep. there's somebody out there that that needs that um, I'm always kind of curious to talk to other veterans and see, I guess, is there anything that stands out to you guys, maybe outside of the writing field, you know, you guys are kind of in that, that specific niche, but do you feel or see unmet needs in the veteran space that are like interesting to you or, or stand out to you on like a personal level? Hmm. Um, <laughs> so like as far as like, the head scratcher for a business, like a it. business thing or like a nonprofit coming up uh i don't i don't know i'm only focused necessarily on what we can offer within those i really mm -hmm. dig what other people are doing and what other organizations 107 for example 
really, really dig that, you know? And so like, I think as far as like an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial aspect, those people are going to find those spaces, just like how we found this space. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think like real recognizes real as soon as something happens like that, 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 that uh, we see it's like, all right, they understand uh, the need and, and understand the vision of where we're going. I have my opinions of what is going on in the veteran community, right and wrong. And I think that we need to kind of tighten some things up. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's a different conversation if you want to get into that. <laughs> real recognize real. Uh, the example that comes to mind immediately uh, also is um, Tom Schumann. Um, you know, one of the most genuine people uh, we have built a relationship with. Um, and when, uh, before we actually had, you know, spoken with him, um, you know, just brief interactions on so- social media and stuff. But before we had actually, you know, he was somebody that like either of us, you know, either him or, or us would call a friend. Um, he had actually included a comment, like some commentary in a research paper uh, that he wrote um, for school uh, about uh, our podcast and how that it like, you know, it started, started great and then fell short. Um, and then, so not only did he write this and it was like, you know, essentially like bashing us a little bit, um, in this, in this research paper. Uh, but then probably a year after he, uh, submitted it for his class, he sent it to me and told me about it and told me like, Hey, like I was, you know, I was wrong about this. This was a little bit short-sighted. Like, you know, you guys are doing like all of these things and, and I didn't know all about them. And I spoke, um, I, I may have spoke too soon, but like, you know, just like that, he's such a genuine dude that he would like to get that off his chest, like to say like, Hey, like, like I, I never would have seen that shit. Um, you know, but that like, that it was like bothering him that much that he's like, Hey, like I said this and I guess like, maybe I was a little bit wrong and whatever. Um, like that's, it's just such a cool thing. Um, but yeah, definitely, um, like, seeing what's going on in the community and, um, uh, you know, just keeping an eye on it. Um, but you know, also like just out in the world, um, we like seeing original things. Um, we like seeing genuine people, um, passionate about what they're doing, um, because we can relate to it. Yeah. I think that you, you're able to see when somebody's intent is, you know, for good, and they're not like out looking to get fame or notoriety or money or whatever it is, you can kind of really, when you can understand someone's intent, um, that gives them kind of some more credence and makes you kind of want to support them and um, find out how you can help them. Mm -hmm. Um, To kind of wrap up here, Tim, do you you have anything else you want to talk about? I literally could go on like Oh, I we know. We could keep going for like so long on this, but um, uh, there's there's fun. one question that I that I meant to ask, but we just kind of like conversation took over. You were talking, Tyler, about your uh, the book that had like forty different poems in it, um, and it was a, a number one seller in Amazon, uh, and it, it blown it blew up because forty people were like, "Look, I'm in this book." Was that a was that a tactical move on your part, or was that just like it just happened. Did you intend on having this many people so that it would blow up or was it just like, no, that kind of just accidentally happened. 
like like he said, uh, Leo Jenkins gave us that project. Essentially, it was unfinished, but we had developed yeah. a relationship with him, and we were very early on in in this in Dead Reckoning. And so we're like, oh yeah, we want to hop on board on that. Well, like, what's your goal with it? And he's like, I just want to pretty much elevate the narrative, pretty much to get as many voices out there that may not be being heard right now. And we're like, all about it. Like that was like it is somewhat altruistic. We just, we just like literally wanted to help other people feel what we just felt when we put out fact and memory. And so gotcha. uh, the product was so good because there was three or four people going through each poem. And again, kind of like, all right, this is an idea that hasn't been talked about within a poem. Like, bam, that's, that's in. Okay. These two are really good. Uh, all right. Well, let's just put them both in, but they, they're, they're kind of similar. How does, how do, how they do. Yeah. And so like that, that was just kind of the process of selecting and everything. And then once we finished, we were like, oh, man, we just are giving the voice to 40 people. And then it blew up. And we're like, oh, man, like that only required so much effort on us to market because everybody else is doing that for us. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but at the same time, what we also learned from that is when 40 people are like working <laughs> towards it, they all feel like they're sharing that load, which is good. But at the mm -hmm. same time, like we had to understand that we are the, like, the driving factor to kind of keep that going. Like that is still our responsibility. Yeah. And so like. When that many people are working for you and doing all the work, like it's great. But at the same time, like it, we kind of took a back seat, I think, initially on that first one of allowing it, like it to just kind of organically develop. On the second one, we were like, okay, like now we have, I think it was 70 on the second one or 60. And it was like, all right, like everybody's going to be doing that again. But when so many people are involved in the project, uh, people feel like it's maybe not their as much as their responsibility to, uh, to market or whatever and that was like no sure. that is the publisher's job to do that and that was something mm -hmm. that we we had realized gotcha but it, it was definitely like a, like a oh that's why it did so well because uh yeah and then we're like all right well let's do that again obviously and yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it still for sure helps um you know having that many voices but but that's i mean that really is the point is is having that that collective community uh, voice be heard. Um, and, and that's what we've like, we've been passionate about with that project in particular, um, is being able to get that many voices. There's so many different varying levels of, um, you know, military experience, writing experience. Some, some people, it's the first time they've ever tried to write a fucking poem and they nail it. Um, you know, some people, uh, are, are support, you know, support guys or even combat arms guys who, who feel like they didn't do enough, um, you know, during, during their time in the GWAD that they didn't, they didn't get their chance, you know, um, and they're speaking about that. Other people are, are, um, you know, 10 deployments deep and, and talking about all the shit that they had to do. It is, it is truly like a comprehensive, um, you know, creative presentation of, of what, uh, what 20 years of war looks like um through that percentage of the population it's it's a super cool thing to hold in your hand well and there's so many like you said so many different voices but everybody is kind of standing for the same thing and it's crazy to see some of the same themes we talked about themes earlier like that whole like sense of maybe not feeling accomplished or whatever like you see that in people who serve four years and people who serve 40. Like there's a lot of those same issues are prevalent regardless of who you talk to. Maybe not everybody, but, um, and, and especially with writers, they want themselves to be heard, but also other people's stories to be heard too. So yeah, uh, I'd look forward to reading that. That's on my, on my list. Yeah. Definitely. 
Well, cool. This is, I think we could talk for much longer, but that just means that we'll have to, uh, we'll have to have you guys back on if you're, uh, don't think that you're the better doppelganger of, of us. So, <laughs> um, real quick, I guess, can you guys give, uh, where people can go to follow along with what you guys are doing, contact, uh, whatever you want to give out. Yeah. Um, website is, uh, deadreckoningco.com. Um, Instagram is where we're most active on social media and that's dead reckoning collective. Uh, Twitter is DRC publishing. Uh, we don't use it uh, as much as we should, uh, cause it's dumb. Um, and, uh, if you are interested in, in publishing with us, uh, or bringing another project to us, um, you know, review the stuff like we were talking about, review the stuff that's on the website, uh, but for sure, shoot us an email. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking forward to seeing more projects, uh, more people get into the craft and, and share the stories in whatever, whatever format they choose. Very cool. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. This has been great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, guys.